You are listening to Coffee and Career Hour. We are your hosts. I'm Armina. And I'm MJ. Two career counselors and friends chatting about all things life and career. So grab a cup of coffee and join us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee and Career Hour. Your girls, MJ and Armina here. Hello, hello. So today we want to talk about anxiety and career decisions because as career counselors and as people who've made their own career decisions, we are always surrounded by anxiety, whether it's coming from our students or ourselves or our coworkers, (laughs) it's just always there. So that's what's on our hearts today. Armine, when did you start? Well, okay, hold on. I'd, I'd say let's start talking about anxiety. When did you start being aware that anxiety existed in your life or you were able to put a finger on when you started to feel and acknowledge what anxiety meant to you? Ooh, girl. I would say probably like preteen years is when I would start feeling anxious, um, but didn't realize that that was anxiety until maybe like in college when I was learning about these things in my psych major and like understanding what, what anxiety is. And um, then later on college and grad school is when it was like, okay, this is specifically an anxious behavior because this is what's going on right now, or this is what my stressor is. Yeah. Yeah. So years, years of like uh, reflection and understanding and learning about these things to be able to pinpoint, okay, this is an anxious behavior. Yeah. Anxi- I, I want to say anxiety is something that I have always felt and similar, exactly similar to what you were saying. I didn't pinpoint it or know what it was or had the language to explain that until I learned about it. And I was like, wow, I've been anxious for a long time. And at one point in my life, I was clinically diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, it well, I'm, I'm no longer right. I, I was, I've been able to cope and manage my, my anxious feelings, but to know to the level of where our life experiences can lead up to a certain point where there's like a fine line that you cross. Um, but to also know that you can be on that side, but return back to. Yeah. I love that. Uh, actually. Yeah. Because once it came to a point where I had a panic attack and, and, Uh, this was just a few years ago. So like more recently, right into my adulthood. And I was like, it was the only time I've ever had a panic attack, right? Like uh, other, other than that, anxiety had just been like the typical behaviors that you might normally see like nail biting or things like that, where it's like many anxiety behaviors, but this was like a full on panic attack. And um, I realized that it was like, I was doing a lot. I was working too much. There was way too much going on in my life during that time. And um, I had to really take a step back. I remember going to the emergency room, even though I was understanding that this is anxiety and this is a panic attack, I still like was like, I need to go to the emergency room because I think I'm dying right now. It's physical symptoms. Yeah, my body was shaking, sitting there at home with my parents. And I'm like, I know this is a panic attack, but I also like can't help that voice of like, I'm dying right now, so we need to go to the ER. By the time we got to the ER and they they checked us in and had us wait, it was over. (laughs) But that was a wake-up call of, like, you're working too much, you're doing 
too much. Your mind is always on. So I had to, like, I learned to take a step back. So if I can, if I can poke a little bit deeper, as I would say to a client that walked into my office, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. When you had the panic attack and you say you're working too much, um, and what, to what level was that a lot of career anxiety or was career anxiety even a part of it? Or was it just personal anxiety, personal life anxiety? It was both. And the career part was there because I was teaching a college class and it was literally the night before the class, the semester was going to start. Yeah. Oh. And so it was, it was like a combination of I'm, I, I want to advance in my career because, you know, the, my regular day job was great, but I was like, I want more. Mm -hmm. And so of course I was going out and finding more things to do, like teaching a class and doing other things on the side. And I was, uh, th that was the underlying factor of this. Like I want to advance in my career. So I'm going to add more things to my plate. I feel that to the umph degree. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that so hard. I can't even explain. I mean, you see it every day. Um, Wow. Isn't it, isn't it astonishing how anxiety can literally impact every nook and cranny of our life and every, I like to call them shifts, every shifts we have, every, mm -hmm. each shift that we have, whether it's in your personal life and you're being personal r and right? And you're dealing with a personal thing or you shift to career, career rise r and or UCLA r and or whatever type mm -hmm. of other I would say pizza pie slice you have in your life too. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is kind of all over and it can always pull things all together to make everything feel like it's happening at once. Yeah, that honestly, that is insane. And what, what makes me even more astonished is that um, it's everywhere. Like yeah. the majority of <laughs> the uh, people in society have anxiety whether it's diagnosed, undiagnosed, whether it, it might not even be to the point of like clinical degree to be diagnosed, but it, it's just such a normal, common, typical part of our lives. And I feel like people don't talk about it enough. Really? I was, I was going to comment on how that word anxiety is so often used in our, in our everyday jargon. People, our students, humans, we all just use anxiety so much in our language, like in our average conversations of like, yeah, I'm feeling anxious. Like I'm nervous because nervous is right, a synonym mm -hmm. of anxious, but anxious could also mean is the same physical symptoms of, of feeling excited or whatever that may be. Wow. Okay. I love yeah. that you see it that way. Cause I, I see it the opposite. Oh, but I, I think because what I mean by that is people use the word, but very lightly. It's mm. become like, oh, I have anxiety around this. I'm anxious. But yeah. like, it's not to that. People don't sit down often and talk about this is what's causing my anxiety. And this is where it's coming from. Unless they're in a counseling session. I love that. You know, then it gets deeper. But like, you don't uh, hear people sit down with their friends and say, I've been feeling anxious because of these things going on. And I think maybe it's coming from this place in my <laughs> life. Like, that's not... The typical conversation. I'm laughing because I'm like, I sit down with my friends and do that. And then I realize my friends, we're all in the mental health uh, field. We're all in the fields of serving others. And we all have the same type of educational background of either psychology, sociology, education. And I'm like, yeah, my friends are counselors, therapists. Yeah. <laughs> so no, we so do have those conversations. Common, yeah. In, 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 but you're right. But in an everyday, like. I would say, I don't want to say average, but in like a typical 
right? Societal conversation, that kind of conversation would never come up. Those topics would never come up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's why we're talking about it today and (laughs) shedding light on how common it is. And that if, even if you uh, sometimes see someone from, from an external perspective thinking, oh, they seem to have it all together. Right. But you don't, you know, that person is probably really feeling it and, and you just don't know because they're putting up this really professional or like put together front um, and you don't know what's going on on the inside. We definitely see that what I would say in the traditional eye of career, right? Those who leaders, influencers, national figures, um, people who just, we see are in the eye of the media or even in the places that we work, the places that, that are in our environments. We're like, wow, this person has their whatever together, right? Whether it's their life, their career, their family, but to be the individual on the other side of that, we don't see how they feel, what they, what they, it's completely opposite, right? The lens and the perspective is absolutely opposite. Um, in my head, I'm like, I've been told before, like MJ, you have it all together. And I'm like, no, I don't. Um, (laughs) I don't have it together. But I can see where we also, you know, with our backgrounds, our educational backgrounds, and I'm thinking a lot about like just psychologically where that perspective comes from, right? On the other, the other side of the human being, there's that empathy, yeah. right? Um, where's this, where is that coming from, from the other human? And what is looking like having your stuff together mean in a career yeah. or in your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's look at our students who think that, their friends have it all together. And sometimes I'll get like a junior in college come in and be like, you know, I don't have a lot of experience. And like other people in my grade and my like same level junior staff have had internships already. And I'm, I haven't had an internship. And I feel like I don't have any skills or anything to offer. And, and that brings up anxiety and uh, nervousness and just a lot of like fear and worry about applying to even an internship. Now, I'm not even talking about full time jobs yet. Thing, like applying to an internship, they're feeling like they're lacking and thinking that everybody else has it all together. Every single conversation that ha- is around that topic, I'm always saying, I want to acknowledge and let you know that you are not alone <laughs> because every single student I talk to is feeling similarly and thinking other people have it together. It reminds me a lot of also what can creep up, right? We talk about anxiety, but let's talk about imposter syndrome because those two go hand in hand mm-hmm. so well when you have this perfect combination of feeling left out or like I don't have whatever together. And you are right. The uncertainty or that feeling of like, um, what do we, what do we, what do we call it all the time? Um, comparison culture. Yeah. It's in our society. It's in our education systems. Hell, it's in our like adulthood. It is. It is so in our adulthood. Yeah, let's talk about that, like in the professional world um, and comparing to maybe coworkers or other teammates. Well, <laughs> coming from a side um, where I'm, I'm on the newer end of being a new professional, and I say new, acknowledging that I know it's, I'm not really new, um, but coming in where I would say I'm younger, Mm-hmm. Um, and have a different perspective and, um, may have like a, what some may say a fresh set of eyes or just this energy that's very different, right. Or very upbeat, what mm-hmm. have you, uh, comparison culture is real 
and it doesn't, and I don't mean comparison culture in the same of where I'm seen by others in our entire industry and field of like, oh, well, she's young and she has so much energy and she has so much enthusiasm for all this, but I mean it in the way of where I can also see it too. Yeah. You're comparing yourself. Yes. Yeah. Where I don't feel like I have enough, enough experience, mm-hmm. enough knowledge, enough wisdom, enough, like whatever that is to make me at the same level or be held to the same standard too. So in my brain, it goes mm-hmm. both ways. Cause I can see it both ways. How would you navigate that? Or what advice would you give to young professionals who are just entering the workforce and maybe feeling that way? Wow. Okay. What guidance do I have for new professionals? It's going through the same experience that I am. I'd say the one thing I'd say is be aware, acknowledge what's happening, right? Put a name to it, write it down, whatever you have to do, say it out loud, put it on a sticky note, acknowledge what's happening. For example, for me, it was like, I don't have enough of, and I left the line there so I can fill in the blank whenever I need to. Mm. But it's always coming back to that. And what is the root cause of that? Mm. Was it a situation that made me feel that way? Was it a comment? Was it an experience? And then I automatically feel it was something positive. Whether that be a student who I had an amazing experience with, which um, I'm, I'm so happy to share that's that's 99% of the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or if it's something where, for example, you and I talk about a new career development topic or something we want to do and we want to teach someone there, it's what evidence is there to what I'm trying to fill. Yeah. And it's hard. And I'm not going to say it's easy to navigate a space where you are in a world where you're a new professional, but give yourself grace because you are doing the best because that's all you can give at the time and the point in your life that you're at and mm-hmm. keep going. Don't get in your way. You will overcome. And I say you will not. I hope you not will overcome because it, you will overcome it in whatever way you can. And you're going to grow mm-hmm. because that's what we do as humans. We evolve. We're dynamic human beings. That is my advice. And I would love, I would love to like further go deeper on that topic of what it means to be a new professional um, because it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I see, I see your excitement and your energy and it's true. And um, I will say that, you know, uh, I've been in the same shoes. I still am, you know, I'm still, it's not like I'm not that far into my career. I only have a few years more experience than you. So I still consider myself a young new professional in that sense but like um feel when I was fresh out of grad school feeling that more right because it was like first job after after you've been in school all your life you know mm-hmm. and and um how are people perceiving you but then at the same time I think two similar things helped me and me reminding myself like I have my own set of things that I bring and everybody has their own set of things and maybe somebody has yeah. years of experience and wisdom that I don't bring right now, but I bring my own like energy, my yes. own personality to this job. And, you know, it's a puzzle piece, like a healthy team and a healthy like company culture. It, it should be a puzzle piece where there are different um, skills and different like perspectives being brought in. And when they all merge together and it, that's when like a really successful outcome happens, no matter what industry. Right. Yeah. And so it's like acknowledging like, 
this is what I bring to the table. And then maybe other people bring other things to the table. You quickly reminded me of something and I want to acknowledge it because it's, it's an important piece of you. And I say you to those listening, but to also I'm looking at you physically and you're looking at me. So it's like a reflection as well is yes, it should be a combination of skills and, um, something combination of skills, experiences, knowledge, um, personalities. Mm -hmm. One important piece that I don't want to not acknowledge is authenticity Mm -hmm. and who you are as an individual, because when you see the energy I bring, um, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. It's also the MJ who is first gen. It's the MJ who struggled. It's the girl who didn't know what to ask or whether to even go to help or figure all this stuff out and got here. So it's my identity too. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. I'm getting so emotional because you it's are. such a big topic, but I don't want to forget that because that's 70% of what I bring. Yeah. That's what you carry with you. And, and I honestly like showing that authenticity has made you a better professional, mm-hmm. I will say. Um, but on our topic with anxiety and um, anxiety in your career, um, how would you say like having those limits? Oh, because we talked about limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome before. How have those played a factor in in having anxiety as a new professional? Oh, do you guys remember? <laughs> do you guys remember when we were talking about imposter syndrome? And I said, I'm not enough. Or like we acknowledge that that was a statement in imposter syndrome that is is true for a lot of people is that feeling of not being enough or not knowing enough or not or having a lack of thereof. Mm-hmm. That is what it feels like all um, the time. That's what it feels like all the time. Yeah, um, it doesn't. It's different than a learning curve because you have the same knowledge. It's the experience that you lack. It's the some type of thing that you feel like you're missing. And it's interesting to work with the imposter syndrome and the anxiety of it all, because that can just lead to like a career attack is what I'll call it. Like a, like a shock when I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what's happening and making a career decision and thinking like, can I do this? I don't know that I can. Others are telling me that I can, but I don't know. And you feel, you feel so detached from yourself. And that is an ugly feeling. Um, And I'm smiling because I have felt that where I really don't know if I can do this. And I'm really telling myself that, but knowing deep down that I can. Yeah. But it's facing the reality of what is, what is causing this. And yeah, the anxiety really does like it kills all the joy into what you have and will make you rethink whatever it is that you're about to do. It's insane. It's a cycle, honestly. It's like imposter syndrome. I don't think I can do this. Oh, anxiety. And then mm-hmm. you're anxious. So you're, you're like frozen and you don't want to take make a move. And then you're like, oh, I can't do this. And yeah. imposter syndrome comes back. So it really feeds into one another. So it's a, it's a really difficult loop to be in. If I were to like title imposter syndrome as a different term, I'd call it like the what if questions. Like what if... X, Y, Z. What if one, two, three, it's all the what ifs that you can think of and it builds and builds and builds and builds, especially when you're a new professional, because it's like, what if I don't get this job? Yeah. But I have this education or training or experience, or I have this recommendation, like whatever that is. And like, 
what if I don't get it? What if I don't get selected for an interview? What if I failed? What if I've made it to the final round, but I wasn't chosen? What if I get the job and I fail at it? Mm-hmm. So many what ifs where it literally puts you at a halt and makes you rethink whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it goes back to what we talked about last time of like, okay, those are all valid and typical and common feelings and thoughts, but it's like, what do you want to do with that? You let it either like stop you from taking any action or you acknowledge it. And then you say to yourself, I understand what I'm feeling, where this is coming from. And I'm choosing to not let that drive me. Yeah. Right. Armine, how do you navigate career anxiety? I'm going to call it career anxiety, but I also want to throw in the word decisions in there because I know with career, their decisions and career decisions are only just big decisions. They're small ones too. Yeah. How do you navigate career anxiety? Yeah. Great question. I have learned over the years to not have to have it all figured out. That's so hard for me. What? <laughs> it, it really is. It's hard for my nature too, because naturally I'm the planner. I'm the person who has the checklist and, yes. the, and the agendas and I'm, I know I like the structure and I want to know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and when I'm doing it. Right. But I, (laughs) oh my goodness. Yeah. I've had to learn and I've learned that in my, in my work because it, um, just seeing how that's not unique to me, that's everybody, Mm -hmm. whether it's my coworkers or my students, whatever age group my students are. And it doesn't matter from freshman year to senior year everybody and like people who didn't go to college still feeling the same things of like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but I still, I I have this pressure to figure it out Mm -hmm. and I have this pressure to make a career decision. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that, you know, your career is your life. It's your lifestyle. Yeah. It's um, the work that you do on a, on a daily basis. Preach. Yeah. and, and, And it's your purpose. So whatever that looks like, and it shifts, like mine has shifted. I've talked about this, right? I never thought of myself doing all the things I'm doing now. To me, it was like, let me graduate and get a job. Whoever's going to hire me because I don't know what skills I have to offer. So somebody please hire me <laughs> so I can have a eight to five job and like make money, right? That was it like when I was younger. But now I understand that career is your life's purpose. And so whatever that looks like for you, and it's going to change. So to me, I've navigated that, those feelings by acknowledging and understanding that I don't have to have it. And it's really helped. It's really helped me feel like I'm here right now. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know what next year looks like. I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I will figure it out when I get there. Yeah, I I, I, I definitely agree. I, I want to touch base on um, for some, right? Sometimes we're in positions or we're in situations where we may not have the luxury to think that way. And I'm not saying like, I feel attacked by your words, but I want to acknowledge that there are people who are like have families and they are the heads of the household and they can't afford to think that way because they have others to look out for, whether that be dependents on whatever age scale yeah, or like family uh, members or just whatever have you like partners. Um, what would you say to those who have these are in these situations and are feeling that career anxiety and like, well, my job is eight to five and I'm not really feeling my purpose, but I have to do this to survive. Sure. Yeah. Great point. And 
And I'll just preface that with like, I have my own set of responsibilities <laughs> too of um, having to keep a job and have an income because I have to provide for so-and-so. But um, with that said, I think that uh, taking time even during your eight to five job that maybe you don't enjoy, it's just for income right now. But like, how can you make that job more purposeful for you? Mm. Starting there, because it's like you're already spending time and energy Mm -hmm. in that space. So depending on where you're at, what kind of culture, what kind of leadership you have, how can you like turn that job into something more purposeful? Maybe it's adding or changing, shifting one little project that you work on that makes it a little bit more meaningful and taking it from there, right? Or if that's not an option, taking it into like, what can I do outside of my eight to five Mm. to help fulfill that purpose or help me figure out my purpose? And when I'm ready to make a transition and know that like leaving this job and doing something else is not going to put me in financial debt, then making a change, right? But not, but like having to, I think like everybody has to do that hard work of reflection and like just get down to the dirty like what do I like like who am I yeah and what work do I want to do and how what purpose do I want to fulfill and so whether that's after work hours or during your job that you can embed it in to make it more meaningful that's going to look different for every person well because if it's your purpose you're going to do it no matter what yeah and I know we got that from the same place which yeah. I do want to mention is um Armine and I both listened to a podcast recently let me bring up the title real quick and the host of this podcast was Oprah Winfrey and the title is super soul special um, by Wes Moore. Right. And the title is, is your job's life is yeah. Is your job, your life's purpose and your purpose. And we talked about this right on, on our first episode together was your career and your life go hand in hand. Yeah. And they're beautifully matched together and what that looks like. Can you tell me a little bit more for our listeners out there? on the differences between your job, your occupation and what that looks like and your career and how, how people, how individuals use these interchangeably, but they mean three different separate things. Yeah. I love that. Um, sure. So technical, we're getting technical here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, your job is defined as something you do for monetary benefit, right? And so really, like, there's no purpose, there's no meaning in that definition. It's just you do it in exchange for money. Um, Your vocation or your occupation Mm -hmm. is a set of, like, jobs that you have or within a particular industry or within a particular line of work. That's essentially what it is. Um, And that, you know, changes throughout, throughout a person's life. Sure. And then your career is your life's purpose and your, your, your life's work. Um, and, and that's what I was getting at too earlier is like, you don't have to figure it out because there's no possible way to know what your life's work. I mean, sometimes people are really like at a young age, really enlightened, but majority of the time that doesn't happen. And so I think there's this pressure when people think about career is they have to figure out their life's work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that just comes with experience, doing a set of jobs, doing an occupation, changing occupations. At one point, there was a statistics that you change, people change occupations seven times in their lifetime. That's like seven different industries. Yeah. And that's okay because with that is where we figure out our life's purpose. 
And um, if you're lucky enough to figure it out at a young age, like kudos, but you know, there's no pressure to have to do that because a lot of times it's like, you just have to experience things to figure it out, which is why my point of like, take it one day at a time. And if you are feeling like I'm stuck in this job and it's not purposeful, but I really can't like leave this job right now because of my like financial responsibilities know that this doesn't have to be the end all be all this is your situation right now but doing things to figure it out after work hours or during your in your job to make it purposeful is what's gonna like let you move to the next step i love that armine i see you um we are not that far apart in age um so and when i see you i see a successful entrepreneur well first i see a woman Right. Thank you. A diverse woman, um, woman of color, right, who comes from an, a unique background of perspective and a lens, what I love to call your own unique lens. But I also see an entrepreneur and someone who is successful in their higher education career, not only higher ed, but I like to call it our counseling career because they're two separate things. Yeah. When we think about anxiety and career decisions in my in my head, in this MJ's third person perspective, you've made all the right career decisions to get to where you are, right? So when I, let's say I'm kind of stuck and I don't really know, but then I see Armine and Armine is a career counselor helping me figure it out. How do I navigate these emotions knowing that you've, like in my eyes, you've made it all the way, but I'm trying to figure it out for myself. Yeah, that is where I'm like, let me tell you, because (laughs) one, I didn't always have, it figured out. And two, I still don't always feel like I have it figured out because same thing. I will share this with people who come to me with that question. My students, I will always say like, I love what I do, but let me tell you, like, just so you know, I don't have it all figured out. And that's like a big shocker for them, (laughs) but it opens that door for like being real with them. And like, I know because I know they see me of like, oh, this assistant director of career education, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, she knows what she's talking she knows what she's doing and it's so easy because she has it figured out but I will share and and today a student asked me how did you make your career decisions and I shared her with the story of my career crisis when I was in college as an undergrad not knowing what I was going to do with my psych major and sure. literally like going around campus talking to anyone I could to figure out like what options there are out there you know um, I shared with her that process that I went through so that they know that that is your current destination, but it's not your final destination. Yeah, I love that. I When I think of how I made it here, and I know, I know, I know everyone thinks that, like, I've, I've made it. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. It's literally, I, MJ has been told she's made it so far at such a young age, right? I'm, I'm a, more, a little more than a year post-grad school. And I'm already teaching my first class as faculty, right? I'm a first-gen professional working at UCLA. Like so many things where I'm like, God, like I I am exceeding my own expectations that I had at the age that I am. When students ask me about my career decisions, I hate explaining the story because I always say that it's I'm the worst like poster child for psychology (laughs) because it literally just flowed. But it was also gut instinct. Yeah. And I didn't know what career, what success, and what life meant. And I say meant using past tense because not that I don't, not that I know what it means now, but I'm forming out my own definition for what it looks like. When I was younger, 
Um, I come from a hardworking family of women, um, Central American women who hold held the occupations and the jobs of either they were nannies or housekeepers for American American families, right? Who, in my eyes, at the young age, I reflected on my life and then saw these families and were like, that's success. Mm-hmm. Success is living with your family, having two to four kids, like whatever, right? It's having a nice car. It's sending your kids to private school. It's ha- being a lawyer. It's being a business person. It's having these degrees. In MJ's little head when she was growing up, that's all she saw. Yeah. So when I got to college, I always I always tell people, like, my mom's job was to get me to college, and then MJ had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And for those of you listening, I talk about myself in third person a lot, so sorry if that bothers you. <laughs> um. So when I was figuring it out, and I don't have it figured out, I don't even know why I already had dinner, but I, I, I usually say I don't even know what I'm going to have for dinner because that's the truth. Yeah. Um, career and, and life and success, what it meant was all these materialistic things yeah. and it never meant like happiness. And that, that reflecting now is so sad to me Yeah. because I just saw on the outside what it meant to like have stability, home security, a family, love. Not that I didn't have these things, right? Not that I didn't have these things in my family, but that's what I saw because these these families were on a different status, on a different scale than I was, right? Luckily, and I don't, I say luckily, but I don't, that's the wrong word. It's not luckily. I worked really hard to be where I am mm-hmm. and I acknowledge that, but I, it was hard to figure out that path and that career decision. So when people ask, like, how did you get here and how did you know you wanted to do this? I'm like, I, I really didn't. It was a lot of piecing the things together and figuring out, like, going with your gut instinct. Like, I love helping people and then asking myself, but what does that mean? And what type of the same questions I will ask you if you ask me what you want to do, right? Like, what type of environment and what way? Mm-hmm. How, what, how do you want to make a difference? Um, where do you feel most comfortable? Dang, career decisions are hard. I love that. And I I relate so much to that because like, I think what you're hitting on is that self-awareness piece because Mm -hmm. I also made a very intuitive decision getting into this career path. It wasn't like doing meticulous years of like research research on this field, which is great to do. And Mm -hmm. you know, like that's ideal. (laughs) That is what we tell our students and clients to do. But like, I think for both of us, it was that self-awareness of when we're in a space that w- that lights us up, we recognize that. Yes. And that's why it was like, oh, this feels right. Yes. But not – and, and that speaks to, like, different personality types or, like, people take in information different ways, mm-hmm. right? Some people take in information and process it very intuitively and feel it. Mm-hmm. And other people take it in and have to, like, look at the facts and the logistics. And that's fine. Like, whatever works for you. But – if you are the person who isn't making intuitive decisions and, sure. and, and you need the logic and the facts, then then you do that research. And that's that's the way to like figure out what what in, what um, brings that light out of you. Yeah. And if you're the intuitive person, you'll feel it when you're in that space, you know, but you got to put yourself in those spaces. Sitting down and researching on a on a computer isn't going to bring you that joy until you're in that environment. You know, yeah. So that's that um, is essentially why the two of us kind of felt it, felt that it was right to go into this field. But I do want to acknowledge that, like, not everybody makes those decisions intuitively. No. So 
knowing also how you make decisions or what kind of information you need yeah. to make a decision, I think can help in that sense too. I also invite, I also invite the listeners to, when you think about your career and your life, and I know we've, we've, you know, for now three episodes, we're talking about a very big picture. Yeah. One of my favorite, 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 and probably like the only way I right now frame it first. And I say right now, because in the beginning I used to do a very big picture um, and I've been in this field for three years, right? I'm also like, I'm new, but I'm not like, I don't, cons- I, I, like a little bit seasoned, a little salty, yeah. a little pepper, <laughs> um, is big picture doesn't always work for everybody. Yeah. And this is where it comes to terms is meeting individuals where they're at in their life. And I know you and I both take that very seriously. One of the ways I invite you to think about it too is, yeah, it's so great. We talk about career and life and all this stuff, but hey, I'm just trying to get through my next day. The way I love to frame it is what is your next step? Yeah. And what are those goals that we can do? What are the things that we need to do to get you to that next step? Not what's let's figure out. Yes, of course. At the end of the day, I want to help you. I want to be a part of you figuring out what your life's purpose is. Yes, I support you 170% and I will be that cheerleader. But if I notice that big picture is giving, causing anxiety the uncertainty is just not there. The imposter syndrome is eating. We're going to take it step by step because I want you to get to the next step because that next step will lead to the next and the next and the next, which will lead to your life's purpose yes. and your career and your life and success and happiness. Yeah. And essentially that will help you manage the anxiety around yeah. making career decisions because you're breaking your goal down mm-hmm. into small steps. Yeah. I love that. So there is no standard formula, right, for setting a goal or breaking it down into small steps. It really does look different for everybody. But I will say that, like, if you're out there, you're feeling anxious about your career decisions, think about, like, what what is one small thing that would make you feel like you have a little bit more control over this decision right now? And that's where you start. You are absolutely right. What is, okay, so I invite you. This is like my third invitation this episode. And my invitation and challenges here. What is one thing or one aspect in your career that you can shift, take control of to make it a little bit more meaningful or set a goal from it? Let's see what you guys come up with and you can leave a comment, right? Down um, wherever you're listening to our podcast, you can comment and then we can check them. And see where you guys are at. What kind of goals or shifts that you're making for yourself. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share your thoughts in the comments and ratings. See See you you next time. time.